0: From CPR News, this is the fifth annual Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza with Ryan Warner and Avery Lil, sponsored by First Western Trust. This year, a virtual event, so we spread cheer and not the virus. Performances by Grammy-nominated jazz musician Ron Miles, Tony nominee Beth Malone channels Judy Garland, a Hanukkah gift from a Colorado Springs composer, and in a year when we really need it, laughter from comedian Ryan Evans. I'm Mae Ortega, and let's join Ryan Warner.
1: Hi there. Happy holidays. How are you doing? I have to say, that became my least favorite question this year. How are you doing? I never knew quite how to answer it. This is the year I discovered Mask Me. The existential dread is unbearable. I finally just started to say I'm COVID fine. How you doing, Ryan? I'm COVID fine. Chris, we know there are a lot of people who aren't fine this year, people who've gotten sick, people who've lost jobs. I think of frontline healthcare workers, parents, teachers. This has been an exhausting year for them. And so we dedicate this special to them especially. Thanks for your service in 2020. This year saw the end of touring for our first guest. Ron Miles is a jazz musician, but this year also brought him a dream come true. We spoke at Dazzle Jazz Club in Denver. Ron Miles, it's nice to see you.
2: Nice to see you, my brother.
1: How does it feel to be at Dazzle? I mean, like so many musicians, you've been unable to perform in live in-person settings for the most part.
2: Yeah, this is a sacred place to me, I think, Dazzle. Uh, So much of the music of our community has been performed here. People from out of town have gotten a chance to meet Denver audiences, Denver audiences, out of towners. And so to be back in here feels like a visit to, uh, like I say, almost like a a church or something. It feels that way to me. I mean, I really feel that way about this place. So
1: it's good good to be home. You grew up listening to records on the Blue Note label, Luminaries like John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Sonny Rollins, now you have a Blue Note album. It's called Rainbow Sign. How does that feel?
2: Well, it's amazing to think at my age that I would get a chance to record for such a legendary label. I feel honored to be part of that group of musicians and, and I hope that audiences will feel me a worthy uh, member of the club.
1: Oh, do you still have some imposter syndrome, Ron Miles?
2: I I do have a bit of imposter syndrome. When (laughs) I look at a John Coltrane album, it's not even imposter syndrome. I just know I got a lot more work to do, so (laughs) I need to get to the practice room. Even having you mention his name, I know where I will be in a half an hour is in my practice
1: room dealing with the music. The new record is called Rainbow Sign, and we'll have you play something from it at the end of our show. We're going to have you start with a holiday tune and a holiday story. You have a tradition in your family. It's a culinary tradition, tell me about it. Oh yes, I
2: am the official chitlin maker, which means that I clean and prepare and cook the chitlins. And my mom did it for years and eventually was passed down to me. So I'm very honored to hold that seat in the family. The chitlin maker, and describe chitlins for us. Chitlins are pig intestines and so the cleaning of them is quite a delicate uh, endeavor, and um, you have to be a very trusted person in the family to hold onto that seat. And so far, people have been very satisfied with my
1: work, if I may say so. All right, you're going to perform a wintertime track written by a towering figure in the Harlem Renaissance. Tell us about the song and the composer behind it before we hear it. Okay, The song is Snowy Morning Blues by James
2: V. Johnson. And it is a song that hasn't been covered that often. I think I learned it from Jason Moran, my friend who's on our new album. And, um, and James B. Johnson is the composer of the Charleston. And is somebody who was able to kind of fuse all elements of African-American life into his songs. And uh, so he was the person that Duke Ellington sought out when he first came to New York and was the king of Harlem
1: piano. Wow, Snowy Morning Blues, even the title is evocative, and who's accompanying you on this? Eric Gunnison, a great pianist who has performed
2: with Carmen McRae, and is really, I consider him the Dean of Denver Piano, and so we haven't had a chance to play for a little bit uh, due to this lockdown, so it was a chance for me to say hello to a dear mentor and a great friend.
1: Denver jazz cornetist, Ron Miles, and his accompanist on piano, Eric Gunnison, with Snowy Morning Blues from James P. Johnson. Ron, thanks so much for sharing that with us. Oh, my great pleasure. You know, there's one thing I'd like to talk to you about related to 2020 that isn't the pandemic, and that's the protests for racial justice. I know that for you, music and justice go hand in hand. Uh, The album that got you a 2018 Grammy nod was called I Am A Man. That's a phrase written on signs during the 1968 sanitation workers' strike. That came just before the death of Martin Luther King. And I want to ask you about the death of Elijah McClain in Aurora, in police custody. He was a musician too. And we know that he played violin for shelter animals. What sort of effect did his death have on you?
2: Well, I mean, to me, when you even say him, his name and his story, he's the best of us. I mean, somebody who's taking his time and his talents in service of others. And to have somebody who's doing that, to have his life taken away for no reason, is a, a great tragedy. And it's it's a reminder of how much work we still have to do every single day. All of us have to be diligent. We can't ever take our Eyes off of that that famous saying, eyes off the prize. We can't do it. We have to, all of us, invest in our communities and invest in each other. When we see mistreatment happening, when we see discrimination happen, when we hear people saying hateful things, we have to stand up. We can't just sit
1: by. Ron, thank you so much. My pleasure.
0: Holiday music and memories continue after a break. We'll catch up with host Avery Lill at Chautauqua Park in Boulder, plus a tribute to our muse, Judy Garland. This is the fifth annual Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza from CPR News.
1: During a time when so many of us have been physically distanced from friends, neighbors, and colleagues, your generous support has helped Colorado Public Radio bridge the gaps, bringing our community together through the stories that connect us all. Voluntary support is the lifeblood of the content and coverage we all rely on. Thank you for being our partner in making this kind of radio happen for the Colorado community each and every day.
0: Welcome back to the Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza. Back now with host Avery Lil. Holidays are a time we
3: remember. We pull out old recipes, dust off the decorations, tell that story about the Christmas fiasco one more time. We're also remembering loved ones who aren't at the table this year for a lot of reasons. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Travel is complicated. Our next guest speaks to loss and points to hope. Tanea Winder is an award-winning poet, musician, and educator, raised in Ignacio, Colorado on the Southern Ute Reservation. She's a member of the Duckwater Shoshone Tribe, and we're here in Chautauqua Park near her home in Longmont, Colorado. Tanea, welcome. Thank you. You have a poem for us, and it's called Learning to
4: Say I Love You. Yes. Learning to Say I Love You. My favorite conversations are with my grandmother while she teaches me words in Indian as she says. I ask, how do you say, where did you go? And where are you going? Questions that layer my tongue in ash reminding me of fire, the taste. Each time I speak the slow burn of every loss I have witnessed cracks my lips. Go and going, acts singed into my bones. So I ask, teach me, I'm coming with you. So it sits rock heavy in my mouth because my tongue is at war with history. Boarding school, kill the Indian, save the man. Acts of colonization strain my pronunciation. When I want to say, take me with you, it dissolves. Before I can stomach the sweetness of language ours, I am losing. I am lost, lodged somewhere in my throat between decades of broken syllables. Teach me how to reach the ones who are born already running. Teach me how to talk to the ones who need it most. Dear universe, gift me words that linger softly like dust. There must be a phrase to contain wherever you go, whether or not you know where you've been or where you are going. I love the phrase,
3: gift me words that linger. It reminds me of the legacy that our loved ones leave us
4: with. Tell me about your grandmother. Yeah, my grandmother just is one of the most kindest, gentle human beings I know, and she just taught us so much, like how you had mentioned recipes, like she taught us how to cook so many different things, like she taught us how to knit and sew, and just a lot about survival. I feel like she really gave me my voice and taught me what what love is. And are you going to be cooking recipes from her this holiday? I'm going to be attempting to cook recipes (laughs) from her. I have the cake down, I have the biscuits almost down, but... Usually, I would make the inside of the pie. My sister does the crust, which is my grandma's recipe, and I really struggle with crust, so I'll be having to learn how to do that on my own, but I'm gonna keep trying to just honor everything she taught me, from the recipes to just always using your voice and using your strength and your kindness for people.
3: And the poem's called Learning to Say I Love You. What are the ways that your grandmother taught you to say I love you?
4: I would just say, In everything, you know, one of her favorite memories that she shares from boarding school is how she won this talent show contest singing blue moon. And so I really look at her as giving me that gift of voice and and those words and song and I try to honor her legacy in that way because I feel like that's how I communicate that's my language of love is singing and poetry and music. Um, But even just things like acting with kindness, the way she held my hands, like I always felt safe and protected and I think. That was her love language for so many of us in my family. thank you so much for sharing your poem and about your grandmother. Thank you.
1: The inspiration for our annual holiday extravaganza is a 1963 television special starring Judy Garland. It's magnificent. I watch it every year in black and white, just the right amount of cheesy. So as an ode to Judy Garland, we ask a Colorado artist to do a Garland cover. This year, we scored a Tony nominee Beth Malone is in Aspen to sing Merry Christmas from 1949's In the Good Old Summertime. She's accompanied by pianist David Dyer.
5: what you wanted from your chimney top. So be jolly. Have a holiday as gay as holly. May the ones you love be near you with the laugh of friends to cheer you when the church bells ring. And you hear the joyful hymn
1: Beth Malone, actor, Broadway star, Tony nominee. Most recently, she played Molly Brown in a reimagining of the unsinkable Molly Brown. And Beth, thank you for joining us.
5: Thank you for having me.
1: I understand you share my appreciation for Judy Garland. What is it about her, do you think?
5: It's hard to put into words what she can do. Uh, she was so fragile and so raw and open, and, and she was like a vessel for something bigger. Like it just traveled through her little body and out. And you were always a little afraid for her. I always felt there was, she was just on the edge of falling apart. And so there was something very thrilling about that. You never knew what was gonna happen. It wasn't like you felt completely safe watching her always. You always felt a little unsafe, like, Anything could happen, which is a thrilling thing for a performer to be able to do. And I don't think you actually were unsafe because I think she was masterful. I think she was completely in command, especially when she was singing. The rest of her life, not so much. But when she was singing, she was in charge. She knew exactly what she
1: was doing. What a strange year you've had. I mean, instead of going on stage in the spring, you had to clear out your dressing room. What do you remember about that?
5: I was on my way to work, and then all of my, you know, castmates and producers and directors started texting in these mass texts, and my phone just was blowing up because, because um, we were in a house that we could have gone on that night, but our, uh, many of our castmates um, did not want to. When you're in a pre-show mode... Your body and your mind is really getting prepared to do something, especially like Molly Brown, especially a show like Molly Brown. Like, I would conserve my entire day to be ready for that, to have the peak of my energy and focus happen between 8 and 10 at night. And then just to have that plug just, like, pulled right out from under that that surging. It was like a surging um, thing that was ramping up, and then, like, somebody just pulled the plug, and it was, like, whoa, I just don't know what to do with all of this. So I went down there anyway, and so did a lot of other people, a lot of people that were in the show and cast and crew, and um, some of the producers showed up the night we were supposed to go on but didn't. We all kind of gathered there on the stage, and we had like this impromptu party. We passed a bottle around and turned on some music and laughed and cried and cleared out our dressing rooms and took another stroll around the set for the last time and looked at our beautiful show and, and just sort of processed that we were saying goodbye.
1: You know, before we go, will you share a holiday memory from your childhood, Beth Malone?
5: Oh, I have this friend, his name is Glenn Johan. Um, he was our family friend and I used to babysit his kids and his kids are now um, old and have kids. But I grew up babysitting his kids. He, he babysat me and one time when I was like seven, my mom took me to sit on Santa Claus's lap. And when I got up to Santa Claus's lap and sat on it, I looked at him and I was like, hi, Glenn. It was my mom's friend. It was our friend, Glenn, Glenn Johan playing Santa Claus. But I wasn't, I wasn't like, hey, there's no Santa Claus. I was like, my friend Glenn is Santa Claus.
1: (laughs) There is a Santa Claus boys and girls. His name is Glenn.
5: (laughs) He lives in Castle Rock. Hi, Glenn.
1: Well, Beth, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Have a very merry Christmas.
5: You too. Bye.
0: It's the Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza. I'm May Ortega with hosts Ryan Warner and Avery Lil. After a break, we'll get our Hanukkah on. This is CPR News.
5: Hi, I'm Monica Vischer, Program Director of CPR Classical. If you're looking for great holiday music to lift your spirits right now, we have what you need. Your favorite carols and African-American spirituals for Christmas. You can listen on the radio and on demand now. Just click on CPR Classical at CPR.org.
0: From CPR News and Colorado Matters, it's the fifth annual holiday extravaganza. I'm May Ortega. One bright spot this year, the CPR family grew to include KRCC in Colorado Springs. And the Springs is where we catch up now with host Avery Lil.
3: COVID-19 may have emptied the chairs in Colorado College's Packard Music Hall, but it hasn't stopped the music. Our next guest describes himself as an archeologist of old melodies. He grew up in Israel, studied music in Germany and Switzerland, and has been teaching music at Colorado College in Colorado Springs since 1994. His internationally award-winning compositions draw on folk music and weave in contemporary textures. Ofer Ben-Amatz, welcome to The Holiday Show.
6: Hi, thank you for having me.
3: Tell us a little bit about the first instruments you learned how to play.
6: Well, I grew up in Israel. When everyone, when we start elementary school, everyone gets a recorder, a little wooden recorder, and that was my very first instrument. So um, this was the first, and then we suddenly had a piano at home. So I started piano. My mother was my first piano teacher, and then I continued in the conservatory. So these are my first instruments.
3: And what do you remember about music growing up?
6: Well, I was exposed to many cultural, uh, many diverse uh, sorts of uh, music. Either it was Bulgarian music in Bulgarian, or Ladino music, which came from my mother's family, uh, some Arabic music, and of course a lot of Israeli, Ashkenazi, and other Sephardic music that I um, was exposed to. Of course, like anybody else, I was also influenced by the Beatles and by uh, American pop. And so I grew up listening to everything.
3: And how big of a deal was Hanukkah in your home?
6: Hanukkah was a big deal in everybody's home because for eight days you just, keep eating all these goodies and you light the candles and it's a very happy sort of a holiday. So yeah, it's a big, big thing in Israel. And especially because you get a long uh, break from school.
3: And let's talk about your compositions. We're going to hear one that you actually composed during quarantine. Tell us a little bit about it.
6: The title is La Serena in uh, Spanish or Judeo-Spanish. La Serena is the siren or the mermaid. That's basically it, and it's a folk song, it's a very old folk song from Spain, which remained a part of the cultural legacy of Jews who were expelled from Spain in 1492. So they kept, they maintained this ballad for many, many years, and over the years they added more and more verses to it. It's a very beautiful, haunting kind of melody, And I heard it even as a child, when my mother would sing me some songs, like a lullaby. This song has been specifically uh, used as a lullaby, and it rolled in my ears for many, many years. And I uh, decided to compose it exactly when we were all locked up. The text is about a locked-in princess or a girl in a tower in the middle of the sea and she's waiting for somebody to come and save her. And all the sailors, um, they, they go with the boat, they wanna help her, they wanna come and be with her, they wanna save her. So I think that that subconsciously somehow the situation enticed me to complete the song and create the variations on that one.
3: In some ways we're all the mermaid right now.
6: We're all mermaids in a tower in the middle of the sea, yes. <laughs>
3: Well, thank you so much for being with us, and happy Hanukkah.
6: And happy holidays to you too, and to everyone who is listening.
3: And now, the performance of La Serena. An excerpt of La Serena composed by Ofer bin Amatz, performed by Colorado College artist in residence Susan Grace at Packard Music Hall in Colorado Springs.
1: And now, literally a taste of the season, I'm at Denver's same cafe. This is a nonprofit restaurant that serves anyone who shows up, even if you can't pay. That's because some diners pay extra. You can also volunteer for a meal, and I'm here with chef Tisha Steele and the executive director of St. CAFE, which stands for So All May Eat, Brad Rubendale. Hi guys, thanks for being with us.
7: Hi, thanks for Hi. having us. And
1: you are going to help us prepare. This is a mouthful. Say it with me. Sticky,
7: Sticky. sticky toffee, toffee coffee, coffee, pudding cake.
1: Pudding cake.
7: That way you can have it for breakfast.
1: Oh, I see. If you put <laughs> coffee next to cake, it becomes an acceptable breakfast item? It
7: does, yes, especially around the holiday season.
1: Brad, you've tried this, and I understand it's quite delightful.
8: It is delightful. She's the best chef that I've ever met, and uh, I get to eat her food all the time.
1: One thing that's remarkable is, while a lot of restaurants have suffered during the pandemic, you actually are doing more business, serving more clients than last year. How is that possible,
8: Brad? So we're serving about five times the number that we had been last year. Um, And it's largely people that are in need right now. So all the folks that have options for food have other places to go or they get it delivered to their house. But we have a lot of people who are experiencing homelessness, new challenges that have lost jobs or um, have newly experiencing food insecurity. And so those folks, we have been showing up in droves and we've also partnered with Denver Human Services and Urban Peak to be able to serve people that are in emergency housing as well.
1: Brad, before you worked here, you had been a client. You had experienced homelessness yourself. Yes. And I know that it, at that point, it wasn't that it was difficult to get a hold of food. It was difficult to get good food, get healthy food.
8: Good and healthy food. So I ended up gaining about 35 pounds during that time in my life because I could eat. And I needed to eat a lot because I have low blood sugar. Um, but I lost access to healthy food. And I came to Saint same cafe as a guest before I moved to another state where you um, and then I had a beautiful full circle moment where I got to take over the organization that it helped me at my hardest moment.
1: Tell us what goes into the, I have to look this up, the Sticky Toffee Coffee Pudding Cake.
7: Yes, this is a gluten-free version of a Sticky Toffee Pudding Cake. Um, and uh, it's a one-to-one gluten-free flour blend. We have uh, baking powder, salt, cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger. There's also going to be brown sugar, vanilla, eggs, and butter. Then we also have some dates baking soda, uh, and then for the toffee sauce, we're gonna do maple syrup, which is also a breakfast item, uh, brown sugar, butter, heavy cream, and uh, vanilla. That will make the toffee sauce. So when you add the baking soda in with the dates, you get this kind of really cool reaction.
1: It's so frothy.
7: So while that's cooking, we're gonna add the butter to the mixer brown sugar, just gonna cream that for a moment. These are just the eggs that I'm adding. And if you're doing this at home and you wanna do it vegan, you can do a substitute with flax. So we're just using a really basic bump pan. Use your favorite spray. Give it a really good spray so that it doesn't get stuck in the pan. Take a rubber spatula, scrape the sides of the bowl down really well, make sure it's incorporated.
1: Oh, look at how beautifully even that turned out, even with all those like chunky dates.
7: Yeah, that's the really great part about using a food processor to chop them, is that it gets incorporated super well. Just give it a little swirl, and then you can pop it in the oven. So it's gonna bake at 350 for 30 minutes. Just use a little toothpick to test it and make sure that toothpick comes out dry before uh, stopping the baking process. And now we'll just get the toffee sauce going while that's cooking. And that will be butter. Your brown sugar. Your cream about a cup of cream in here. Your maple syrup. This is not sweet at all. (laughs) And some vanilla.
1: The maple syrup makes it breakfast. Exactly.
7: Since the beginning of the pandemic, we've seen so many new guests to Same Cafe. One group really stands out. It was a mother, the father, and their children just walking by. And at first they they weren't really sure like, is this a place for me? Should I, should I take the meal? Is this just for people who are experiencing a lot more hardship than us? The father had lost his job. And it's like, no, this is for everyone. We're here to feed everybody. We recognize the inherent dignity that everyone has. We're not just giving a handout. There are different ways that people can participate. And we've seen so many of the families come back in and want to volunteer.
1: And there's that sauce. Oh, look at how that drips down on that cake.
7: And this is a spiced whipped cream.
1: Wow. I'm going to make sure to get some of that. Is that pecan topping?
7: It is toasted walnuts.
1: Toasted walnuts.
7: You need that protein.
1: (laughs) Yes. That's what (laughs) I need for breakfast. Mmm. You know, it's fascinating. Sweet, but not cloying.
7: That's what I always strive for, especially when I'm doing pastries.
1: Tisha, Brad, thank you so much, and happy holidays to you you. and to your customers.
7: Thank you, happy holidays to you.
0: The final part of our holiday extravaganza is just ahead. Comedian Ryan Evans on garbage disposals. Don't go anywhere. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News.
7: Throughout
5: 2020, CPR News helped you make sense of what was happening in your state,
3: your country, and your world. A wildfire burning by Grand Lake quadrupled in size.
1: This is a school year like no other because of the pandemic. We reporting
3: weeks some... and months of
0: these lingering Delivering
5: the news with dedication and integrity no matter what. This kind of reporting isn't possible without your support. Close out the year with a tax-deductible gift now. It's easy at cpr.org.
0: From CPR News and Colorado Matters, this is the 5th Annual Holiday Extravaganza, I'm Mae Ortega. How about some laughter now? Comedian Ryan Evans learned to work a room as a doorman at an L.A. comedy club. Now he helps run the new E3 Comedy Club in Colorado Springs. He took to the stage there even while his audience is virtual.
9: Hey, 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 how's everybody doing? Thank you for clicking that play button. This is Ryan Evans. I want to talk about being out of the house. Oh, it feels so good to be away from the house and out after that lockdown because uh, I realized I have been set up this entire lockdown time. Yeah, my girl got me fixing everything. Lockdown for girls was chores. That's what that was. I think it was a setup from the get-go. The garbage disposal went down and I fixed it, but it wasn't as easy as it looks. Because, you know, the garbage disposal broke, here's the YouTube video, it shows you everything. I'm like, let me see. Oh, it is, it's like two minutes. Two minutes long, I could do that, go get my drill. you know, Which you don't need to fix a garbage disposal. And it shows you how good I am at fixing things. I don't know how to fix, I'm from the city of Chicago. We call people, that's what we do. So I went to working on the garbage disposal, and I fixed it. Lo and behold, I couldn't believe it myself. My girl was right there. She said, Ryan, I'm so proud of you. You fixed it. And my chest stuck out just a little bit further. I felt that proud, you know? She said it a second time, Ryan, I'm so proud of you. You fixed it. And and that's when it started hitting me. Like, okay, why are we saying it again? And she said it the third time and it hit me. Ryan, I'm so proud of you, you fixed it. Now you can fix some other things that's going wrong in the house because I have a list. (laughs) And that's when I realized it. Ever since lockdown, she's been pumping her television shows into me. Like, I've been watching Bachelor, Bachelorette, and HGTV. This is what this is all stemming from. HGTV, the Home and Garden Network, is not for me. I can't do any of it. But if you watch enough of it, that's why I said it needs to be regulated. If you look at it hard enough, you'll think you can do it. Right? It looks fun, you holding hands and frolicking along and drilling together. Like that's what couples are about, (laughs) renovating, but no. (laughs) Again, I'm from Chicago. I don't fix things, I call people. So I'm also entertainer, so I'll start projects and they won't get finished. <laughs> like, I got holes all in my living room now. And you know what I do? I hang a Jesus picture over each hole because he fixed it all anyway, right? <laughs> and I try to keep it, you know, so if anybody comes by different ethnicities, I got a black Jesus as well. I got a Jesus over one hole. It's great. I tried the recess lighting because it looked easy on YouTube in my dining room, but holes again. So Last Supper right there, <laughs> right above, so we don't look down and pray. We look up and thank God for all of, the nourishing that he's provided. (laughs) You know, I I just, I'm glad to be here in Colorado as a whole throughout this whole thing. Colorado is one of those outdoorsy states so most people in this lockdown, they had to just sit there. They couldn't really go out and work out, but not Colorado. Colorado goes and get it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a bike rider now. (laughs) Like, I didn't see that coming, you know, but I thought it was like everywhere else when I first got here. I didn't think I would have to like, really train to ride the bike. It's just the bike. I had a bike from Walmart. You know, they put it together for you in Walmart. Anyway, I'm riding my bike. There's a bike path down the house, and I'm just riding. I got sweats on. I got a tank top. I'm waving at people. How you doing? I live here. You know, you know I'm blending in, I thought, and then a pack. Oh my God, of real riders roll by. And this is the most frightening thing you've ever seen. If you've never seen this, like a pack of real riders, first off, they pedal in unison, together. The whole group is pedaling together. They pedal, pedal, check their vital. Pedal, pedal, check their vital. And that's scary to see, because I'm just riding. It's a leisure roll, you know? and they go by you with their little bell, bling, 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 like, I think they need horns if they're gonna be doing this. The bell just makes you mad because they yell after the bell. Bling, 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 I'm on your left. I'm on your left, look out, get out of the way, I'm on your left. Like, don't yell at me like that, Chuck, Steve, Brent, okay? I live here too now, okay? (laughs) <laughs> and then they have their seats up in the air, so when they get by, like the added insult, the last little piece to stab it in is their seat being high, so their butts are in the air, like, if you had a better bike, paper boy, you would know. <laughs> Kiss my butt. And it's like, no, Chuck, I went back to Walmart. That's what I did, and I upgraded all my stuff so I can't be talked about like this. Now I got a big helmet that I wear, huh? Yeah, and I got a, a onesie for aerodynamicness, and I pedal alongside everybody. <laughs> if, if Chuck goes to Tour de France, I'm going too. We all cyclists now. I don't even, I'm not a bike rider anymore. You upgrade when you come out here to Colorado. (laughs) I'm going to go and get out of here, but there's a couple more things I want to say. First off, happy holidays and thank you for tuning in. Secondly, I always like to take time to spell my name. You know, I always, I have to. Uh, My name is Ryan, but it's spelled R-I-O-N. And I take time to spell it because some people are stupid. That's the main reason, I I promise you. Because some people see it. R-I-O-N, and like, that's not Ryan, that's Rion. Like, me and my mama have been messing it up all this time. <laughs> like, that's not how names work, okay? People tell you their name. You don't tell them. That's not how names work. <laughs> like, you look like a Stanley. You should be Stanley from here on out. <laughs> that's not how names work. And plus, I always like to spell my name for people so I don't get confused. Some people confuse me, literally confuse me when they see me with somebody who has way more money, (laughs) way more success than I do. People confuse me for Eddie Murphy. You think so? Okay. (laughs) I get confused for him often, and that's cool. It's fun sometimes. Just don't be stupid. That's all I ask. Look around you. That's all I asked, right? I was flying out of Los Angeles one day. Just got to doing the show. It was a great, great weekend. And I'm in the little line, the line you pass, you know, little cattle call line before you check your bag. I'm in that line, and there's a family of five. Every time they pass me, they point and they look and they think I'm him, you know. The whole family, like, look, look, baby, baby, look. You know, the kids are like, hi, Mr. Mommy, you know. <laughs> I've had this before, so I played it off. I know what to do, you know. I'm like, please, no pictures, please, please. <laughs> When we made to the last turn, the dad decided to build up the courage and come and talk to me. (laughs) How do you, what? (laughs) He walked up with all this confidence knowing I'm Eddie Murphy. Like, I'm gonna say something to him. I'm gonna say something, baby. How you doing, man? I just wanna let you know me, my kids, we love everything you do, man. Every, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh man, you ain't Eddie Murphy. Baby, this ain't Eddie Murphy. Man, why would you come in here acting like you Eddie Murphy like that? Got my kids thinking you donkey and whatnot, man? That ain't right, man. He's yelling at me at the airport, causing the scene. So I had to reply, sir, why would Eddie Murphy be waiting behind you here at Spirit Airline, okay? Eddie don't fly with you. If you don't get out of the way, you and your little silly kids. (laughs) That's it for me. I've had fun with all of you. Hopefully you stay tuned in. Look me up, RyanEvans.com. That's R-I-O-N. Don't make me tell you again. Thank you for your time. Have a happy holiday. Peace.
1: Well, we're going to wrap up our Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza, where we began it here at Dazzle Jazz Club in Denver. Cornetist Ron Miles playing a track from his new Blue Note record, Rainbow Sign. This one is called Binder. I'm Ryan Warner with Avery Lil and May Ortega. Thanks for joining us. Happy Holidays.
0: The Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza was not filmed before a live studio audience because we don't want to kill people, and we'd rather not spend donor dollars on contact tracing we also filmed this show, and you can watch it with performances we couldn't fit on the radio. It'll be on CPR's YouTube channel starting Monday. Exandra McMahon is our director. Producers are Carl Bielich Ali Budner, Andrew Dukakis, Michelle P. Fulcher, and Daniel Mesher. Irvin Coffey is our videographer, and thanks to sound engineers Pedro Lumbrano, Justin Peacock, and Martin Scavish. We're sponsored by First Western Trust. I'm May Ortega, hoping 2020 doesn't have any more plot twists before the year's end. Stay safe and warm. Feliz Navidad. This is CPR News.